Welcome to Blended by McGraw-Hill. Welcome to Blended, the podcast from McGraw-Hill. I'm your host, Wes Hallam, and on this episode of McGraw-Hill Meets, I had the opportunity to speak with Fiona Ellis-Chadwick, author on McGraw-Hill's best-selling Principles and Practices of Marketing title, whilst at a conference at our offices in London. We get the chance to talk about the modern student, their obsessment obsession, and the challenges in teaching marketing to large cohorts. We'll be able to experience Fiona's expertise and experience during this conversation. I certainly had a blast. What do you see as being the modern student? Who are they and, and, and what do they need from, from education and from, from you? The modern student is an interesting mix of things. Um, they are very much digitally savvy. Um, they're very... Um, easily bored, but also they can become very, um, if, if you get on their wavelength, um, they can get really engaged and really passionate about things. So, for example, if you're talking about a particular topic, um, would say, for example, we're talking about the aspect of consumer behaviour, how, how consumers buy, what are the things that make us uh, make different choices, for example. So um, I think, it, you know, the modern student can get very passionate about it when they are front and centre in what they're listening to and it needs to be relevant to them. It doesn't all have to be digital, but equally, it, it's got to be part of their modern experience. So it's a challenge for, um, I think, higher education teaching in general is how you get into that space. Yeah, definitely. There's the we often see sort of you see disparities in in how students communicate with people, and that for me is always a big, big marker of the difference between students, how they how they experience the world outside of education. You know, they'll be on they'll be on WhatsApp, they'll be on, on Instagram, on TikTok, and that's not necessarily how they want to be communicated with in a in an education environment. Sometimes they say they do, but then we see from their responses and, and with the amount that they come back that sometimes an email does actually work and then in some cases it doesn't. And there's always that that weird disparity between what they're learning about, how they're learning, and then their environment outside of it. So you think that trying to contextualise what they're learning in their what they're learning on their course to their experience outside of it, that's that helps with them engaging and getting getting on board with it. Is that is that right? Yeah, I, I think that they've um, they've certainly changed in the last couple of decades. Um, and I think that one of the things that technology has done is it's made the instructor more accessible. But it's not just about making the instructor more accessible. Students feel more empowered to actually connect with the instructor. And, and therefore, you have to, as an instructor, think about how you manage that um, and also how you maintain the 
you know, the instructor-student relationship while still making it a, a positive experience for everybody. So I think that, you know, there certainly have been um, changes in this, this sort of involving, evolving uh, scenario. But I would agree with you that um, they do quite like the formality of certainly higher education and learning it doesn't necessarily mean that they follow it all through that they turn up to all the lectures that they you know but 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 I think in a way they do like that kind of structure um new students coming in um they do find quite a lot of challenges of all the freedom that they have so the freedom to not really do anything you know <laughs> I've only got you know, six hours of lectures this term each week. Oh, that's fun. And then, you know, they'll get to week six, week seven, you start talking about assessments and the harsh reality of, oh gosh, I should have been doing something and now I've got six modules which I've got to catch up on. Um, so, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think it's a mix, but I, but I do think that they do like the formality, but it's got to be relevant. It's got to be contemporary and current. Yeah, I think the we often struggle sometimes uh, with helping academics to try and motivate students to do that ongoing work and look at how they come from the, the kind of uh, uh, secondary school education system, particularly in the UK, um, UK and I, which is so exam obsessed that everything is taught towards assessment that it can be really difficult to break them out of that. Uh, to break them out of that habit and as you said they could sometimes they come to university and you either get one of two ways that they sit and they don't do anything for nine weeks and then come into this ginormous panic in the last three weeks of term or from day one the only question they're ever asking you is is this on the assessment is this on the assessment am i going to be assessed on this and that's not a great way for for anybody to learn and i can imagine it's exhausting from from your perspective when you when you kind of have that would that is that fair Oh, most definitely. I mean, I started teaching a, a, a large cohort of students on principles of marketing. And at the end of the first lecture, I was most definitely asked, what's in the exam? What's it like? Uh, and, you know, I, I, I gave quite a, a, a flippant, what I've realised subsequently was quite a flippant response because I said, well, I, you know, I haven't thought about it, I haven't written it, so I haven't got a clue and I can't tell you what's in it. <laughs> and the student sort of looked at me and said, don't worry, it's all in hand. Um, because I, th I think that they do like their instructors to be um, informed, capable, organised, um, creative, interesting, passionate about the subject. So, you know, the student expectations, just like shopper expectations, have risen over the years and they want more. Oh, yeah, they always do. Uh, the, it's very difficult to take something away from them once they've had it once. Um, you know, you, you see quite often if somebody has a really good experience with a lecturer in their first year or their second year and then they don't experience that same level when they get onto another course or something else. There's normally a precipitous drop-off rate in their sort of their NSS approval or or how they feel about their course, and it's you know, it, 
they're always going to demand more. Whatever you give them, the next time they go through it, they're going to want more. They're going to, they're going to want an improvement or more resource or more application or, or whatever it is. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. I mean, when I first started lecturing, I'll be very honest, I was rubbish. Um, you know, it was like, um, certainly when I first became an academic, it was, you know, I was literally perhaps a week and a half ahead of the students in terms of preparing lectures. And I dreaded anyone asking me a question because I thought, gosh, if they ask me a question that's not something... Uh, bear in mind that I came into higher education from industry, so, you know, a, a different sort of... Um, a different sort of background, a different sort of experience. And I always remember somebody saying to me, oh, look, don't worry about the feedback. You followed popular lecture, top popular lecturer. I can't give you a name, but, <laughs> you know, top popular lecturer, so what do you expect? Um, now, I'm pleased to say that, you know, I've, I've now got into the, the popularity stakes, but... Um, I am aware that students do benchmark and, as you say, if they have a great experience, then it's, oh, I'm going to another lecture that's, you know, not going to be a great experience. So uh, for academics, you know, you've kind of got to have your own style, um, make your own relationship with your students and demonstrate to them what the added value is. Absolutely. It's, um, we watch the incoming, the incoming students with a huge, obviously, for us, it's very important for us to kind of understand what's going to happen in four or five years' time so that we can develop resources and, and content that can go along with that. One thing that uh, I was having this conversation with, with, um, with one of our digital faculty consultants a couple of weeks ago, and he flagged some. He's a, a, an associate dean at her um, Coventry and one of the things he, he said that I had never thought of is that some of the students coming in at the moment have never set a formal exam and they are terrified of it and all the way through the last sort of eight weeks they, they've just been going I, I've never sat down and written for two hours before I, I, I don't know how to do that I mean I can remember I remember back during my school days of you know the cramps you would get you'd get in your hands after that. But if you've not written anything for two years in you know in any particular bulk, and particularly if you've got an essay based course, God, I'd be petrified. I really would be. We we did sort of um, acclimatization. Students could book time to actually just go and sit in the lecture hall where the um, <coughs> where the exams were going to take place. Really? Mm. That's fascinating. What was, was there a lot of uptake? I'm just imagining in my mind I, somebody, somebody watching over an empty hall. I, I don't know what the uptake was, but I do know that I heard students talking about it and a number of them were saying, oh yeah, I'm booked in for that time and I'm booked in wow. for that time. So <clears throat> I think it was probably quite popular. It, it's just, I guess we've all been through such a weird time over the last few years that we're never, I think we're always going to be unpicking things that happen because, you know, for the next 10 years, we're going to have people who lost a lot of traditional education time due to it. So we'll just have to keep watching what what comes out and trying to trying to predict it because we never know. You know mm. Some places are just saying, right, we're never going to go do exams again. 
Okay, that's, that's, that's great for some subjects. Uh, uh, doesn't work for all of them. But what can you do? Mm. We'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Yeah. Um, but actually, on on that, that's that's probably a good segue into the into the next question of. We often hear that incoming students, particularly first year students, when they come to school, are missing something. It could be that they, you know, sometimes it's that they don't know how to independently study, it could be that they're not reading effectively or, or, or that they're not applying themselves in the right way. What, what would be the thing that, if you had to sort of, sort of pick something out that you wish students were coming to you with a, an improved level of or a better understanding of? Um, that's a good question. Um, I, I think... <clears throat> the whole thing about higher education, the emphasis is very much on becoming an independent learner. And it's about taking charge of your own education, which is quite a scary and daunting thought. I think it would be good to understand more about what students need to get from uh, and I mean, I, I, I mean this at a sort of mental level in terms of thinking about how do we get from something that is very highly structured to move into that point where I'm taking charge of what I'm doing. Because I think that that could actually stimulate a lot of and a lot more creative work and creative thinking. Um, and, you know, I, I guess that's not. Um, a very tangible answer to your question but it it is about um, you know how can we help students transition from one to the other you know so that hopefully they they go on and take their education as far as they want it to you know I mean some students don't finish a degree course some students do and end with undergraduate or go on to postgraduate or go on to do a PhD. So it's about enabling those students to go where they want to go. I think it and it's and I don't quite know what the actual thing is that, that would indicate that. Well, I think if you do, if you do work it out, let us all know, because uh, I think that's kind of a bit of a golden bullet to answer answer that one. I, I, I always sort of ask. I like to ask difficult questions because generally most of the academics I'm talking to are a lot smarter than I am, and so uh, I just get to you know pass. I just you know remember, you remember remember what you say and then just pass it off as my own later on. When yeah, don't you believe something. that? <laughs> I don't Do not believe that. Um, so there's uh, I kind of, we, we've looked at that initial part of, of what we'd like them to have. You sort of alluded to it there, but let's say particularly for your course. What would be the sort of defining thing you'd want the students to leave with once they finish through your program and they finish through your course? What what skills would you hope that they would have when they when they come out? Um, well, one of the things that I do do in all of my lectures, I make it very clear what the learning outcomes are for each session. So I have a maximum of four, well, a maximum of five learning outcomes. Uh, now, a lot of those in a traditional lecture are very um, course and uh, uh, topic based. So, in the first instance, 
They want them to know more about marketing than they did when they walked in the door. But I also want them to have something that is memorable. And, um, you know, to, to enable them to perhaps think about things differently. But I worked at a, uh, an institution when I, when I got my first job. And I was standing there, I'd been working for a couple of years. And a student came up to me and this student said to me, wow, you're a fantastic lecturer. And I said, oh, that's very kind of you to say, thank you very much. He said, do you know what? Because of what you taught me, I was able to uh, uh, win the prize in the local pub quiz. It's, it's, it's an achievement. It was memorable because True. it's stuck in that student's mind and that's the point I'm trying to make. I think that I'm passionate about the subject of marketing and I just hope they won't all, they won't, you know, they're not all going to be passionate marketeers. This is a non-specialist marketing cohort. Um, but I just hope that, you know, they have some of that passion and some of that interest. No, I think I think that's a that's a really it's a really good aim to have. Um, the it's interesting sometimes when you look back and you know I've got very strong memories of particular you know not even lectures like teachers from when I you know I had a, you know, a substitute French teacher who came in for one lesson but was memorable. And I still remember all the stuff that we did during that because it, I mean, admittedly, it was a very weird and strange experience, but I remember all of that stuff. And so, yeah, I completely agree. Like anything that forces you to remember, not forces you to remember, but helps you to remember that, yes, I was there, I did learn something, I did do something, is a, it's, it's a really good aim to have. Um, so the last question for me, um, this is always, this is a good one that I, I particularly enjoy asking. If you had 10 times the amount of, of budget to spend on your course, what would you do with it? If you had, if you had let's say, a, a, a nearly blank check, I'm not that generous, but a nearly blank check, what would you like to do for your students that you don't do at the moment? Well, first of all, I wouldn't teach 220 of them in one go. Um, I would, um, you know, break it up. And because a lot of the work that you do, uh, particularly when lecturing to a large cohort, it is lecturing. You know, you're telling marketing stories, you're talking about marketing theory, and you do ask questions, but to enable everybody to be engaged is, is quite difficult. So um, I would um, <clears throat> have something which enabled sort of breakout, breakout groups, um, I would also like students to experience the application of marketing. So I guess, um, you know, uh, working with a big brand, but equally working with some smaller, more dynamic brands um, and letting students, uh, you know, in a live case study scenario. Um, a lot of the principles of marketing teaching is this, big cohorts, get the topic through, get the stuff through so everybody's got this base level understanding. So I would like to scale that up and make it even more engaging and an even better experience. 
That's a good answer. Do you want to say thanks a lot for um, taking the time to have a, have a chat um, with us? It's really nice to get your insight on, on, what's, go- on what's going on in, in the field and, um, and we'll get you back on for another one pretty soon. But thank you for now, Fiona. My pleasure. That's all we have time for today. Thanks to my guests for sharing their perspectives with us and for giving us an insight into their world. If you'd like to learn more about what McGraw-Hill can do for you, please visit mheducation.co.uk. Links are all in the show notes. If you've got something to say and would like to get involved in an episode of Blended, please get in touch with us too. Until next time, I've been Wes, and this was Blended.